Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. And today the Sam Mays Podcast, this is 40 edition. We have uh, Dr. Randy Grellner with us. Dr. Grellner is running for Jim Inhofe's vacated seat. And he's got five weeks into the uh, primaries get started. And we had dinner the other night. We got some mutual friends and we started talking a little bit. And I realized that, you know, I hadn't talked to a doctor uh, post-COVID about any of that stuff. And uh, we also had some, you know, other conversations that we kind of wanted to get into. I'm, I'm curious on why a career politician uh, would be in politics. I'm really curious on why somebody who's never been in politics wants to get into politics. So we're <laughs> going to talk to to Doc Grellner uh, quite a bit, and I'm looking forward to. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a rainy night, but uh, glad to come down here and enjoy enjoy the uh, and the time down here with you guys. Yeah, no, we're, we're we are excited to have you. We've got uh, Mr. West Sims joining us, my uh, my cohort, my uh, yes, my, my best friend here in, in Oklahoma City, and. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. getting old. I figured we could use a conversation with the doctor. We're getting old. The doctor's here. Words will be said. <laughs> we might not like it, but we're going to see where it goes. <laughs> the, uh, the This is 40 series, Doc, is a little bit of a, just kind of a chronicle of my path to better health. I'm down about 50 pounds since January, and I'm working out like an athlete again. I'm taking a bunch of CBD and THC products that are helping me along the way, which has been uh, great. But a lot of my listeners are kind of going through the same situation here where we're all hitting that 40 a range and you know you read in the in any sort of you know book of medicine that at 40 years old these are the things you should be concerned about or these are the things that could be happening to your body and I mean I don't know how 40 was for you but I feel like the day that I turned it there was a steady decline from that point uh, yeah I, I remember I was uh, two weeks after 40 I'm looking at the computers and I can't see anything and I think I must have a brain tumor or something. So I called the <laughs> local eye doctor, who's a good guy. I said, I think I have a brain tumor. He said, no. He said, after he looked at me, he said, your arms are too short, Grillner. He said, if you could put them out there another foot, you could see everything. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> relieved me. But, yeah, things go downhill pretty quick. Now, you um, you are you have practiced medicine in Cushing your whole adult life, basically, right? Correct. Uh, so how many years is that now? I'm 21 years there at Cushing. 21 years yeah. you've seen a lot i've seen a lot like that's a lot of from start to graduation kids like you know a bunch of 21 year olds that are you've seen as babies yes i'm taking care of babies from kids that i i, I don't deliver but i'm right there i do c-sections if need be and we've shut the ob department down the last two years ago but i would d- help deliver them and now they're having kids on their own that's amazing yeah the wow. the the small town uh, doctor conversation is so interesting when you consider everything that's happened in the last couple of years. And yeah, you know, we had dinner the other night and I'm, I'm leaving walking with Brittany and I was like, that guy's got hero status. <laughs> like when you're telling us some of the stories, you know, about COVID and everything that you had to go through. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I would have never, I'm worried about me and my family. I'm worried about, you know, what the, uh, the supply chain looks like. And, and, you know, your, fo- your focus has got to be completely outward away from yourself. It's like, not only do you have to worry about my own family, it's this entire community, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, once they entrust you, you know, with, with their life or, you know, with, the, uh, you know, the trust of medicine, you know, you become an owner of that and they become a kid of yours or a mother or whatever their age group falls in. So, um, you take it seriously. And my wife and I, we didn't, we were actually in Turks and Caicos, her favorite place, February 4th. And I said, book it next year. It's the first time we'd ever taken a trip by ourselves. I said, next year we were there five days. I said, get us a week, you know, and we get back and, uh, within 30 days, the pandemic's on. And so we never left, we would, you know, go out of town to Kingfish or whatever. We never took a vacation for two years. That's incredible. Yeah. Just two just two straight years of working. Mm-hmm. Now, if you win, if you win, I just wanted to throw this out there because I was pretty surprised that, that you said this during our dinner. If you win this seat, you plan on practicing through through this all, right? Through, through your term, you're going to practice because we've got all kinds of video health stuff now and Zoom calls and whatever else you can do. Yes, yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, I'm committed to Cushing until I die. And uh, – so I, I'd like to work another 20 years. I love medicine more now than I loved it five years ago. And, and this, as bad as COVID was, you did get to see good come out of people. And so it just, uh, so I plan on, but, but where you're up there, you can, sometimes you don't have to fly out till Tuesday morning, fly back Thursday night. You can work Monday, Fridays. And then if you're, you know, out for, you know, Easter or whatever, you got a whole week, two weeks to work there. So. If, there's, if there is somebody in your life that you want to feel like 
is all in and committed to the job, it's your doctor, right? Right. <laughs> like, no question. I want to know yeah, that my doctor is that committed to. That's never a job you're looking for that buddy that can hook you up with something. You always want the <laughs> right. good doctor. Absolutely. The, yeah. Well, I had a I had an uncle I had his hip removed or had to have a hip replacement, and he said, and he didn't didn't have insurance, and he said he went in there and he, they said, well, this would have cost. And he said, I wanted to kind of bid him, but then I didn't want to get the cheap implant, you know. So right. he said, I just paid the twenty one thousand or whatever it was after he told me the price. <laughs> he said, I kind of wanted to, you know, kind of bid him down a little bit, but he said I thought that wasn't a very good idea. Yeah, <laughs> no, let's let's not haggle with your uh, your position. Make that seems sure like you're a getting bad the idea. Uh, Cadillac for that price and just go with it. We should get into a little healthcare conversation here tonight, too. I'm curious uh, what some of your thoughts are there. But uh, as far as the, the 40 conversation, we'll do this pretty quick just to kind of give people an idea. If you have a 40, if I'm your patient, I'm in Cushing, I come into you and I say, Doc, I'm 40 years old. What are the things I should be most concerned about right now? What would you say? Yeah, well, that's the year we really start pushing prostate screening. Um, and then cholesterol, PSA, um, cl- you know, you need to be exercising, though, and that's what happens to a lot of us, and it happened to me, at about 52, the wake-up call hit me, so you're way ahead of me. And it's like your knees start hurting, your back, and you're like, I can do better than this. And you, your kids are off to college, and your wife's going, the fat slob. I go, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I had a wake-up call, and I put on a pair of tennis shoes and started walking, and I got to running four miles every day, and I just feel so much better. lost 30 pounds, and so – but 40 is really screening cholesterol, those kind of things, making sure they're in good shape. You know, if you start having, you know, you see guys, are, you know, 40 and above that can have the widow maker, so chest pain, screening oh, for that. Yeah. And then skin lesions in guys that are out in the sun a lot for melanomas. And so, but you really at 40, you need to tighten up with your doc. Seems you had your prostate checked. Hold on. Uh-huh. You ever had your prostate checked by a doctor? Oh, uh, no, I have not. I figured it's about time for the old, you know, looky loo. Me too, man. But, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, you're getting older, you're feeling it. It's like, I got to get six MRIs. Yeah, Wes has got, uh, tell Doc, give Doc your, uh, the issues. What do you got going on? Um, well, from the hair down, all of it. All right. the joints. I bet they every one of them. <laughs> we, you take. What'd you weigh in college playing football? Uh, about three thirty. Right. You slam into some guy. You, there's a little bit of a trauma to those. Yeah, I tell everybody it's kind of like you got in a car wreck the night before every morning. You know that's why there's a hot tub right out the back door. Right. And that's where that's where the day starts. Ooh. Golly. Then after that, it's here we go. So the yeah. six MRIs, you got to do that because you're looking to get the NFL involved. With replacing some of those things, right? Right. So they they are involved. We're we're in the middle of a lawsuit, and that was after talking to both doctors. That was what came out of that was six MRIs. Yikes! <laughs> so that's the next step, and then we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Well, you've lost enough weight that you might be able to get in one of those closed sided MRIs. Yeah, I yeah, mean, no, I'm I've, not there. I feel like I don't have to just. <laughs> Get squeezed all the way. Yeah, no, and no. I don't feel like I'm coming out of a tube of toothpaste at the end of it. I walked into my first MRI when I was in school, and the nurse looked at me, and she looked at the machine, and she looked back at me, and she looked at the chart, and she goes storming down the. Why didn't anybody tell me he was giant? He can't get an MRI here. And yeah, open sided for life for me. I don't think I'll ever get down to that uh, to that slim. Oh, you'll get there. Yeah, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> all right, so staying active and and just. Check yourself out. I think that's Absolutely. what the bottom line comes down to. Yep. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm right there with you. My, my doctor actually hears from me quite a bit about, you know, just throughout this workout process, every little – anything that I feel, I'm like, Doc, what do you think of this? You know, just because I am a little bit nervous that I'm pushing myself maybe a little bit hard and, you know, maybe I don't know what's really wrong. And yet, you know, I'm going to get there eventually. So, um, but, yeah. The, yeah. Well, if you, run, if you can run 13 miles – and blow out both toes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a few years ago. I feel like uh, I was far enough from 40 to successfully navigate the half marathon. Good Lord. I don't know what I was thinking there. I might Dude. be able to ride a bike that far. You might be able to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely I'm sure not I've walked that. that far at, like, Disney or something. I, uh, uh, that's about it. Yeah. No, look, I'm just telling you right now, I I will never do something like that ever again. <laughs> it's crazy. Ever. It's insanity. It yeah. didn't even make any sense. Like, the training wasn't great. 
The food situation was terrible. You run the race, and then three days later, you're still dying. Like, I don't – I never felt great about it. And then I was mad because I only did a half. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, people – I see people with the 13-1 in their car, and I'm like, yeah, that's great that you did that, but it's still only half. Oh. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm not, oh, saw, I'm not even that proud of myself. I saw a lot I'm of people like, running the marathon, <laughs> and a lot of them really surprised me. Some of the body styles and types that were coming through there. It's not – everybody doesn't look like a, you know – yeah. Like a high school uh, cross-country runner. Right. That's not how it is. That isn't, first of all. I saw some linebackers. I saw some big boys. Oh, yeah. I saw it all. Yeah, I saw a guy drink a 12-pack. Like, he just had beers all over his body. Just yeah. pulling them out as he's just casually jog- jogging next to me. And this happened to be in, the, like, the end of it. Right. Right, the end of the race. So, I'm miserable at this point. The, the shoe is bloody. And the I look at this guy, guy caught you? and he caught me, and he's just <laughs> drinking this beer, and I'm like, if I could hit you in the face right now, I would. How are you enjoying this? This We just ran a two-and-a-half-mile hill, and you're feeling great, enjoying your casual beer? Nice. I appreciate that. Put him in an MRI and see if he has a brain, right? Right. No question. <laughs> All right, Doc, let's talk a little uh, COVID action. So it, it breaks. You are a, a one of five doctors in Cushing, yeah, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so yeah. give me give me that first like three four months. What was your where was your head at? Yeah, I think you know initially I saw the first I saw, I saw the second case in Cushing, uh, but he had been with the first guy that was diagnosed in Tulsa. So you saw the second case in Cushing, and then but he was with Ground Zero. Ground Zero. Okay. Yes, and he came in on a Friday afternoon, 105 fever, 33 year old guy, super nice guy, and heavy and. You know, didn't have we didn't have a clue what he had. We, you know, CDC didn't get true test out to us till about two months into it, so you don't have anything to test him with. We had, uh, you know, so we but he had super sick and and we give him some medicine, flu swabs, all that. Blood count looks normal, and he goes home. And I call him the next morning on Saturday. I said, Hey, how you doing? Because he concerned me, and he said, uh, I'm feeling better. And Sunday, feeling better. And then Monday, it just plows him. And uh, so put him on hydroxychloroquine because that's all we had at that point in time. And um, he finally came through it. But, um, you know, then you start, then it started building slowly. You know, it wasn't like New York, you know, how fast it seemed like it peaked. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, here it was slow. You'd see a case and you'd see a case. And then, you know, by, um, by, you know, then by August, then things started pounding you pretty hard. And then November, by Thanksgiving, I was about to say calf rope. You're just exhausted. And um, so, the, you know, one of my friends calls me. He's 58. On Thanksgiving Day, I actually called him to check on him because he was sick. And he said, I'm, I'm going to die. He's about 13 days in. And I said, we well, can't die. I said, you know, so I show up at his house about 2.30 in the afternoon. He hadn't slept for two days. Because the headache was so bad, and he said, every time I cough, my head feels like it's going to blow off. And he's running 103, 104 fever, and I'm like, so we stick, I stick an IV in him, hit him with three Tylenol, a bunch of Motrin, a couple of shots in the hip, and I said, 45 minutes. And within 45 minutes, his, his oxygen is still about 88, but falls asleep, quits coughing, and he wakes up the next morning. It's 2.30 in the afternoon, about 3.30 by then. At four in the morning, and he said, "I feel like a different man." That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So awesome. what? what um, so what was your mindset? You know, this is this is pre-vaccine conversation. This is all like there's like you said, you're you're treating with hydroxychloroquine, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's all we had. What are you doing for yourself at this point with PPE and, and all that stuff? Like, are you – because you're making house calls. Yeah. yeah. What, you're in Cushing you... making house calls during a pandemic. Yeah. I, I, I did not even – you know, we wore PPE in the office, but I don't make house calls. It was you throw in the Tylenol, the antibiotics, some other stuff from IV fluids, and you go out there. And, you, you know, I wasn't overly concerned about it. Um, because I figure if I get it and it takes me out, I know where I'm going. I'm not too worried about it. But I yeah, think right. I can beat it. You know, I'm 55. I'm kind of in that question mark. But uh, so I went out there, and I just never wore it to the houses because it's impersonal. And, you know, and and so uh, it never really concerned me. I didn't get uh, COVID at my work. My wife came home. 
oh. and she cooks dinner one Saturday night, and it's the best dinner in the world. And she's five nine, hundred and thirty pounds, and she goes, you know, tall and skinny. And she goes in the other room. She goes, it's hot in here. I've never heard that in thirty one years. Oh and I no! Said, I looked at her and I said, "You got the vid, hon. You got the vid." <laughs> oh <laughs> so, no! So yeah. you got it from her. I got it from her. What was your experience like? Uh, I didn't even. I, I think I. I thought maybe I had it because I had night sweats one night and that was it. A little tired, and uh, so I started on hydroxy the minute I saw her sick laying there. I threw her two Tylenol and two hydroxys, and I said. I, th- I was taking them like Tic Tacs there for a little bit, you know, <laughs> get my levels up, and I feel right. good. See, I don't think I've ever had it, but I take two hydroxychloroquine every day for arthritis. So uh-huh. I'm like, maybe that helps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just figured it was the weed that we smoke, just a ton of it. Well, that too, I think, you know. <laughs> like you won't two be a, barriers. You won't have near the stiffness in the morning there like all go. the rest of us. That's right. true. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely helps. <laughs> you know, as as far as um, just your experience through this, you know, there's 1,400 people in in Cushing. Um, you like you said, you 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 basically as an adult, that's the only place that you've ever lived. You know all those folks. I'm sure you you lost some of your community members. Like, what was just t- talk about the? At some point, I can only imagine there was a little hysteria in town, right? Like. Your yeah. phone's ringing off the hook. People are freaking out. What do we do? Yeah. What do we do? What was that moment like? Yeah, and so it's about 8,500 people in Cushing, but oh. I have 1,400 contacts. Oh, okay, okay. Which is My usually bad. three. Yeah, you're good. No, and three or four people are hooked up to that contact, right? Dad, mom, kids. And it was, uh, there were days where, um, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, people are still rolling in. They're calling, you know, uh, and they're rolling into the clinic. And, you know, my nursing staff, was great they hung through there but you could see the fatigue start working on after two years you know you just and we'd come out of it for a little bit but you always had it around and uh so there was a lot of uh sick people and it's like it's one of those things it's not you like you just treat them for strep and they're gone right right this is a two to three week process right and some of them fall into very you know get very ill and so yeah it's um you know there were some that passed away early on um because of blood clots so then you know we're, we're all reading the data and it's like and they still don't cdc doesn't recommend it but we put them on blood thinners you know about day eight put them on blood thinners for two weeks to get them through that potential clotting phase so but it was a lot of um a lot of stress there for a while and you know you lose people that you really spend a lot of time with you know for two weeks you knew them. You'd run into them, you know, farmers and stuff on the street for the last 15 years. Stop and talk to them about the wheat crop. And, you know, I'd, I'd always ask questions because I raise cattle and stuff. And these guys are, you know, they they're, they got a lot of wisdom. Absolutely. And so you lose some of those, and that hurts. That's painful. You know, right. th- when we opened this up, you said that you're more in love with medicine today than you were five years ago. And if I had to guess... There are many people in your industry that feel the complete opposite after experiencing the pandemic. Many who are retired, many who are quitting, many who don't want any part of it. How are you, like, what What about you can makes you, the drive? Like, yeah. what gives you the drive to continue after something like that? That's pretty, it's, it's interesting. It's, I think the thing is, is that ours is, it's not transactional. When you come in that clinic, you know, it's relational. And so you know these people, and you know all their kids, you know their families, and and so you they come in, they're sick as ever, and you're making fun of them when you walk in the room. I mean, it'd be like a locker room, right? You're like, man, you look really bad, you know. <laughs> right. Hope nobody sees you out in public like that, you right. know. And you're dogging <laughs> on them, but that's part of healthcare. Right. If you know them well enough, and you can gig with them, um, and I know all of them, and we make comments all the time to each other, and it makes it fun. Right, and so these relationships over 21 years have just continued to build, mm-hmm. and so there's so many backstories behind them that you, you couldn't write a book about it, and so, so that's the. Now you served on your school board, right? Yes, I was on there uh, six, seven years somewhere. You, you are a current member of the Oklahoma State Medical Board, correct? Yeah, I'm a, uh, Oklahoma State Board of Health. Board of uh, Health, that's right. Yes. right. Yep, Governor okay. Stipp uh, asked me to serve, and it was an honor, quite an honor. So community seems to have never been an issue for you, that's for sure. Like the, the relationship t- 
conversation that this comes back to that whole why would somebody who's not a career politician want to get into politics? All of a sudden, you take this seat, you go to Washington, and everything that you're good at doing, that reaching out and touching your community, that reaching out and being an Oklahoman, right, and treating Oklahomans the way that you want to be treated, all that kind of, you're, you're, you're gone, you're right? Your presence isn't here. How much do you find, do you think it's going to be more difficult to be Randy, to be yourself in an office that's so far and so disconnected from Oklahomans? Because yeah. that's how a lot of Oklahomans feel right now, I promise you that, is that those offices are away from here. They're disconnected here. They're not in sync with the way that we're feeling or thinking, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I had that question posed to me last Thursday from the president of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. He goes, how will we be able to contact you? And come to find out, we knew a lot of people together. And I said, it's like everybody else, I have a cell phone. And, I mean, you have to leave that door open, okay? And then you can call back or you can have staff call back if, you know, if you're just getting – but you have to leave that door open. That's just part of – you just put that on your shoulder and you carry it. But if they have that ability and patience, you know, they can get a hold of me. And I got a great staff that's been practicing with me for 20 years, so they know what to do for the most part. But I don't – that's – we're all here for relation, I think, is to get to know each other and make each other better. And so I, I think there will be there will be some difficulty from the standpoint there's just going to be more on the plate. But I think uh, that we can make those relationships work. And I know in D.C., I mean, the people that need to get a hold of me will have straight access. So as far as, you know, the, the current state of our country, um, you know, I think as, as parents, you know, we're, we've got – I've got three – teenage stepdaughters i've got a five-year-old and eight-year-old wes's kids are the exact same age as mine like we are there's so much more in the way that we're viewing our society and viewing the country not only for how we're dealing with it as adults but what our kids futures looks like and i you know it's that's a scary conversation to have doc like at home at the kitchen table we're watching the news the local news watching the national news and it's like how do we fix all of this like so much is wrong so many problems out there it's overwhelming and i think there's a lot of smart men out there who look at politics and say what's the point you know like how, do you feel like you could really have an impact yeah i think i think you can i you know i talked to coburn dr coburn in 2014 and when i was talking to him first time he said i, I didn't make a difference and then about 20 minutes into the conversation he goes well we stopped billions and billions of being spent you know so when you you know so he had an effect Although it wasn't as big as he wanted, because right. that was his expectation. So you have to understand, you you shoot big, and if you miss, you're still doing pretty good, right? And right. So we, um, so I think that that if we don't, if we don't take the action and the pain now is our generation, because we've lived pretty good. You know, I mean, I got World War II veterans; they took bullets going up Normandy Beach. Right. We haven't sacrificed. My generation hadn't, and you know, I told my wife, I said. I was born on a little wheat farm out in western Oklahoma, and I right. said we didn't have anything, and I'm proud of that, you know. But now we can put some money together. We got farm paid for, we got cows paid for, we got the house paid for, and I put together a million to put into this because I hadn't sacrificed. This country sacrificed. Everybody, you know, they were sacrificed, and now our kids are going to sacrifice. So if we don't take this burden on now and change the direction of this country, and I'm talking fiscally responsible then we're, we're, we're just handing the debt and we're plundering the wealth of our kids right now. And we're all living good and they're going to pay for it. I would tell you that I'm socially liberal and fiscally conservative. I would also tell you as a media member that the fiscal conversation rages in men your age and women your age's conversations, not so much in the younger audience, right? They're not having those conversations. It's everything else that we're discussing, right? And, I'm I'm curious to know, you know, how the, it's the voters are so different, and it, there's I mean the people that seem to get out and vote are that 40 and above. The younger people seem like they don't believe that your vote counts and it's not going to work. And I mean the, the voting conversation here is is so crazy. It's so uh, all over the place. How do you feel about just reaching the? How do you get people involved and excited to talk about politics and excited to talk about you know their their country and their community? When everybody feels like, well, you know, what's the point? Yeah, you know, it's I'm just a number, and it's not yeah, going to make just, a difference. Right. Yeah, you know, I, it, I think uh, 
I think part of that is is that you know our generation, the fifty year, forty, fifty year old people, have seen enough and they've kind of been rocked a little bit by the last couple of years, and so they've seen it and they've kind of, you know, this is this is important. I was when I registered to vote. This is how old I am. I registered Republican because uh, Ronald Reagan was in there, right? He was president, and so you saw. You know, somebody that had great stature, had, you know, John F. Kennedy type, somebody that could really turn a phrase for you and had just charisma. So we were a little, I think we were a little more engaged. Right. Um, but then life takes over, right? And these kids are coming out and, and uh, they're, they're getting a job and they're trying to get established and they want the BMW and they want all the car payments and all that until they figure out two years later that wasn't a good idea. And, um, but I think, um, I think we haven't done a good job um in getting our kids engaged and taking care of themselves early on, 13, 14. Yep. And I have a lot of kids come in the office 16 years old and never mowed a lawn in their life, right? And you're like at eight, I'm mowing lawns and driving a tractor at nine. So that if until you hand off responsibility, I think, you know, you talk about sports. Denzel Washington in the movie. Um, uh, remember, remember the Titans? Yes. Yep. And, he, and, he, and he looks at the other coach, and I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you know, he was helping a set of kids. And Denzel said, the world doesn't give a blank about them. Right. Okay. And every time you help them, basically, you put, you're you're uh, punishing them in a way because every time you help, you're crippling them. That's what he right. Said. Mm-hmm. You're crippling them. And I think we had it so good, our generation, we didn't want kids to have it any worse. So we kind of took care of them, right? And we did everything. They didn't have to. They had nice cars, and you know, we I drove beaters. And right, I'm fine with that, you know. And so I think we've had it so well, and um, we haven't had wanted them to have to think. And I think that's a problem. I think that, you know. Yeah, no, I would say that the the conversations surrounding our youth and some of the the faults of our us as parents, you know, is is very very real. And discussion, you know, the thing about it is those are in your home conversations, which I'm very passionate about. Like, you know, I, I know there's a job that I need to do as a, as a dad. I know there's a job that my fiance need to do as a parental unit uh, for sure. But at the same time, I'm like, this is, that's on me, you know? And so I don't want the government involved in those things. And so it's like, how do we, how do we fix those things when it's such an individual's perspective? You know, like we can't tell people how to raise their kids. I would never want to tell people how to raise their kids. I don't want to do that, but I also go to track meets and football games and I'm like, I want to beat that kid. (laughs) Right. That kid needs to be beaten. Like, I I don't like you. I can't believe you talk to your mother like that. You legitimately need to be every day. You uh, see it every day. It's worse. Yep. It's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. No question. All right. Let's talk a little sports because you, uh, the Denzel Washington quote got me thinking about football, and I know it's we're a ways away from football season, but, man, it's for Wes and I. It's in our blood. And, uh, the second that we get the Big 12 Media Day about midway through July, that's the, the season gets started for us. Um, and you, the season gets started when the Thunder are done anymore. <laughs> the, 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 there's so no it's question. Time. It's 365. <laughs> it's three, the Thunder have been done since January, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about it. You are an Oklahoma State guy. Mm-hmm. All right, and right. That, and so you went to Oklahoma State Medical School, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. And uh, you're a diehard, you and Love your brother. It. Love it. Love it. Committed to it. Yeah, you know, coming out, I, you came in from Weatherford, so we're coming right. in to Stillwater, two twin, I have a twin brother, and we're coming over 51 Highway into Stillwater, and you can see Stillwater, this, you know, the university, when you get up on that peak, and uh, we were 18, and, you know, we'd been out of town once or twice but that was it and i looked and i said we're not gonna make it he goes what do you mean i said kurt drummond were standing there you know those the those towers, towers yeah yeah i said this is big he said we'll be fine <laughs> I said, okay <laughs> about two days in we're in joe's i said this is gonna be fine Rick. this will be all right <laughs> oh, we're that's... gonna be okay <laughs> yeah i think that uh that's hilarious <laughs> because on my recruiting trip you know you you get to you're almost nervous. Like, you're in the car with this coach, and it was Josh Henson at the time. who's now out there coaching the offensive line at USC. And, you know, he's he's got me in this car, and I'm headed off to, to campus. Well, in my brain, from the airport, it can't be more than 20 minutes, right? Right, sure. So 40 minutes into the drive, I'm internally panicking. You're panicking. <laughs> like, where is this guy taking me? You know, what's going to happen? Well, then you get off on, you know, 174, exit 174 there, and, and uh, it's another 13 miles in the town. 
I don't know what peak Dr. Grounder's talking about, but there ain't no peaks out there. I didn't see squat. I'm looking around like, where is this place? You know, where is this school? And then just to think about it is now, though, Doc, Stillwater now is, it's not even close. I mean, 20 not years ago when I got there. So you got there 20 years before I did. Correct. Right. I got there in 84. Yeah, right. Right. Holy yeah. crap. It's like a city now in it comparison. Is. They have spent the money. I mean, that community has grown. They've done a nice job of managing the growth on that place. And, you know, Gundy was there playing when I was there. You know, he, awesome. I think he came out in 89. We had Thurman and Barry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were just, you know, we were unbeatable. I mean, except once a year. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> that's just over here. As, as Doc eyeballs Wes across the table. I sometimes it. it happens. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so you were there during the good old days. I, I find it pretty interesting. Uh, there's two types of Oklahoma State fans, right? There's uh, the type that's loyal and true to a fault, that they don't care what the record is, that they get a chance to OU, they're excited about it, that type of thing. And then there's the fan base like me who's like, okay, cool, you've got top ten facilities, you've done nothing but win a whole bunch of games, right? So now let's win some meaningful games. Like that's a conversation I'm willing to have, and I find the fan base is split there more and more uh, each and every day, but th- I think we all can agree that Mike Gundy was incredible last season. Yeah. Holy crap, what a year he had. Yeah, he was at the top of his game, and it just seems like the attitude's totally changed up there, and it's like he's just kind of unleashed to let's go win it. Right. And, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting time, I think, to be up there. Oh, yeah, no question. You know, with the college football season looming. Seems uh, like there's a cycle with Gundy. Like every four or five years, whenever it's coming up on the end of the contract or the controversial things pop up and you're like, ah, maybe it's time to move on. And then he kind of one-ups himself. That right. Year. And he does that every, like, it's like a cycle every four or five years. And I think he's a genius because of it. Now, there's some people who, uh, that's funny. I hate you. Like, it makes me feel dirty just thinking about it. All the, the, we need Schnellenberger. That's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, need, we need to bring Schnelly back, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, what? <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, Gundy has, now he's got some allies right now. The new president. Yes. Which you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Shroom, she was in my class in medical school. Okay. So, and you could tell I was 28. She was 22, I think. And uh, you could tell she was a diamond uh, at 22. And uh, I tell I tell everybody in the office, I said, I, I was the president of the class, and she's the president of OSU. I think she's done better than I have. She you went know? up to you. Yeah, there's <laughs> no question. <laughs> yeah, but I think that that relationship, along with Chad Weiberg, the new athletic director, has really kind of given Mike Gundy a sense of uh, peace. Like, he's got some support for the first time. And uh, I think that's kind of – I, I'm excited to see what those three do in the next couple of years. Like, Gundy, the, the Big 12 is open next year, right? Where the Venables yep. comes in, uh, he's got a lot of work internally to do with Oklahoma. I would find it crazy to see them be at a Big 12 um, championship level. I think they will contend, but I think it's going to be tough for them to win one. So, without Oklahoma there in a winning position, it's Oklahoma State, it's Baylor, right? right. Who else might be in that conversation? I mean – Gundy's got an opportunity here when no one really saw this coming. Yeah, you know, we've been kind of prepping for Oklahoma to be in a can national championship game in the last three big years. Game. Yeah, can he? That's it. Can he win the can big ones? Do it. Can he win the big games? You right. believer in Mike? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I'm I'm probably more of a believer now than I was Maybe two wins years ten ago. Ten a year every year. Just well, yeah, a matter it's of time of, before he finally wins a couple big ones. <laughs> the Oklahoma State Big Twelve championship game against Baylor is how that's 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 our life. Come on. Uh, you know, know that's how it goes. Oh. Like, I'm sitting there. Not <laughs> it's the a, there's new not Texas. Another, it's the new Texas. There's not another fan base in the country that goes through what we do emotionally, I feel like. We get the announcement that the Baylor backup quarterback is starting, and in my head, I'm like, we lost. I immediately <laughs> went, they're going to lose this game now. This kid's going to come out and torch him for 400 yards and, and six touchdowns. And sure enough, he played his tail off. Like, it just yeah. – I don't know why. I'm, I feel like I've been beaten to be that way. Like, I'm just right. – that's how I respond to things now. Oh, that's supposed to be good news. It'll be bad for us, I right. promise you. Well, my, my kids were – they're now 24 and uh, – 21, but when they were like 11 and 8, we got to go to an OU-OSU football game there in Stillwater. And we're up 10 points, two minutes left, and I'm like, this is not good, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we get beat by – 
two or three points, and we're walking all the way back to, you know, over by the Coney Island, and my young one's crying. And I said, and I shouldn't have said this, but I said, you know what, here's the deal, Jacob. I said, if you come to OSU, you're going to get a good education. You're going to find a nice wife. You'll be able to get a job. But you may not ever win a champ- national championship of football. <laughs> oh, he went to crying longer. It's cold out. It's like, what do you want to give up, bud? Oh, what do you want to give awesome. up? Did you make it out to the Fiesta Bowl this year? No, I did not. Yeah. No, no, I wish. But, you know, we were just finishing up COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. January is brutal. Oh, yeah. was it really? Yeah. Was, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we kind of held out there. And, it was an incredible know. game. My yep. uh, my little ones don't know anything but Oklahoma State having success. Mm-hmm. My five- and eight-year-old, we took them out there to the game, and they loved every second of it. It was awesome. It was a great game. Yeah, the Cowboy fans, faithful, they showed up in a big way in the desert, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. All right, any other sports that you just – what about the Thunder? Yeah, I oh, it's a big Thunder fan, and then, um, you know, we watched some of it, but, boy, when Westbrook and – you know, when they were there, just cranking it there the first couple of years. But so much fun. Fun. they just turned around, you know, just kind of moved on. And I show me the money, Jerry, right? Isn't that right. what that is? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm curious to see what we can do with these draft picks. Yeah, did you see that deal? Is there a true number two, or do we just oh, trade I def- it all? Well, here's get more. My biggest thing would be <laughs> so that kid from Gonzaga, Chet Holgram, is the, is the diamond, right? Everybody mm-hmm. wants to talk about seven footer. He can control the ball, he can shoot from perimeter. Um, you know, he's 185 pounds. And I've just – We've already got two of those. R- right. Next. Right. That's where I'm at. I'm really, <laughs> truly hoping that Orlando Give me an athlete. Give me a world-class athlete. Yeah, like the kid at and Auburn. And turn him into a The kid at Auburn is a freak. You know, he's almost seven foot tall. He's 240 pounds, can defend the basket, can – Shoot the three-pointer when he needs to. He's NBA-ready right now. Right. Like, give me that. Right. All right, give me that any day. Now, look, if you miss on the home green kid and he becomes the white Kevin Durant, well, then we're all looking around like, how did you screw that? I mean, this is this is KD goes to Well, we'll trade uh, the Sonics. him for Poku and the other one that we got that are seven-foot white. <laughs> we, got, we got two of them. We got them from all over the world. Yeah. They can have them. I think that's uh, – what's the second one? Who did we get last year? Who's oh, the other guy? You're not from talking wherever. about Josh Giddy. Well, Giddy's good. Giddy I'll is give good. Giddy yeah, the, Giddy can ball out. That kid's but gonna be a star. But if you get a guy day. from over the pond that's a, you know, tall, over six nine, we're gonna you draft just think that you're not, you're not we're guy. <laughs> it's a fact. Obaka. I mean, go back. Giddy, Poku, all of them. Stephen Adams. Adams. If there's some guy that came from overseas. And he's seven foot tall. We're getting him. I didn't realize that you were anti foreigner on an NBA team. I'm absolutely not. I'm just saying it's <laughs> taking a lot of chances. I mean, Ibaka panned out. Adams kind of had, you know, yeah. he had his I don't moments. Think he, did he draft Ibaka? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, in the second round. Man, that's right. Yeah. So he was big time hit in the second. Oh, round. he was a huge hit. But we've got to quit wasting first round picks on these right. guys that. Got to eat for nine years before they're going to be worth a damn. I would agree to that. Sabonis. <laughs> I mean, we can go on all day with these guys. Now, Sabonis was good, but we traded him for right. a guy that do you think his leg exploded. Do you think they're polishing up their films before they send them over here, kind of clip-arting them a little bit? I mean, we we love us some foreigners, man. I, we just do. Are we – I mean, so the, the here's the thing. I just really hope that Orlando drafts that kid. Right. Because I don't want it in his hands. Like, I don't want to be able to go back and look, think. Because and I, I'll If they don't, we are 100. Where is he from? Was he born in the U.S.? Oh, uh, there's no way. Is he a, is he an American? I don't know. If he is, we're not we taking him. We should use a Google machine. But if he's born anywhere else, he's 100% coming to the Thunder if he's available. You think so? Look at the track record, <laughs> dude. Every year. Chet Holgram. Now we just get to get a higher profile guy from overseas at seven foot tall. He's an American. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gone. He's not going to be there at number two. Somebody else is going to go for it. Yeah, Chet Thomas Holgram is an American basketball player. He played college basketball for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. A consensus five-star recruit, the number one player in the 2021 class. He stands seven feet tall, plays a center in power four positions. But he is, I mean, Yoka just wanted to know. weight? 185. Yeah, Jokic weighs like 285. Yeah, Jokic just won MVP. He runs somebody over every game. <laughs> there is like 100 pictures of him just on top of some <laughs> other guy from another team because he just turns around and just mounts them. Did you? 
And I mean, when, when I say mountain, look at the picture. Have you seen LeBron? Uh, all of them. He got them. Have you seen the Jokic brothers? Have you seen his brothers? There's more. Oh, of they them? look like two Ukrainian hitmen. Really? Like I don't know where he's from, but those dudes are like seven foot tall. They sit in the crowd and stand up and get mad when people foul them and yell things. Like they're terrifying. Like they absolutely. He got put. I thought they were on coming to the court here last season. He got pushed or got into an altercation, and they're like trying to security's holding them back. I'm like, don't let those dudes down there. You know, I love once, it. you know, you just look at a guy and be like, yeah, he's killed someone before. Those two, hundred percent. Like oh, the only yeah. thing they're missing is the tears going down their face. I'm like, yeah, that's. Nobody some, has his crime is, Some crime has been around those guys over there, <laughs> the Jokic brothers. So no if you question. get a Jokic autograph, it's like gold because they're probably not letting him sign anything. No, uh, probably not. No, I don't <laughs> think that they are. I don't think those – you should look at a picture when you get a chance. Those guys are – they are specimens, to say the least. All right, so we're pro Thunder. We're pro Oklahoma State. No baseball? Now OSU football or basketball. OSU big, basketball. Big basketball. Yeah, I I'll like be, Boynton's. He's I excellent. He's, he's yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's uh, you know I I was at Oklahoma State. He's a State recruiter, with, man. Oh yeah, he brings some big time challenge. So I, I I'm telling you right now, the Oklahoma State's basketball program played as big a part in me going to that school as the football team did, as they played Kansas on my recruiting trip. That's what oh, recruiting wow. trips were in the oh 90s. yeah. You just wow. went to the watch basketball. Yes. So I remember just being there, my little Letterman's jacket from my high school and. They're like, I don't know anything about college basketball. I don't know anything about Oklahoma State basketball. And they had just raised that, raised that roof. Right. Right. So this is oh, like yeah. year one or two with now 13,000 people in that thing. And Eddie was packing that house. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting down in the front row going, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Just wait till it's football season. They're going to pack that stadium. And then I was wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. right. You're like, this 13,000 doesn't, yeah. doesn't fill up 50. <laughs> then I was They're wrong. Like, spread out, guys. <laughs> spread out. <laughs> I remember when I pulled up, I was like, man, that's awesome. Is that the indoor? Is this like the Alamo Dome? And they're like, no, nah, this little erector set out here. This is your stadium. That was before they bricked it in and made oh, it look yeah. nice. Rest and I was Olean. like, what the hell? People play here in yeah. college? Yeah. The weight room was underneath that stadium. It was hot garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked through all that stuff one time, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, like, I'll come in, up here and watch OU and Texas play you guys. I'll use you all for home game tickets, but that's about it. Yeah. Thanks for making me feel great <laughs> about my college choice. Well, I, I wasn't a Bob Simmons fan. Or, yeah, either was I, really. I was a big fan of the Big 12, though. He was weird. Like, I had a bunch of Big 10 offers, a bunch of Big East offers, ACC offers, but at the time, the Big 12 offered – you know, it was I don't care about it. I didn't care about Oklahoma State, but I did care about though was Nebraska. I cared about Texas. I cared about A and M. I cared about all those schools that I knew that I get a chance to play against. And my family's college football junkies. We love it. So like, there's a rich tradition for us. And so the opportunity to come to the conference and was cool. And I I would never change my uh, my decision. I love I love Oklahoma. I'm officially an Oklahoman. I feel right. like uh-huh. I sat there and watched the PGA Championship in Tulsa this uh, uh, this weekend with a lot of pride. You know, yeah, that's absolutely. this is our state and that's our course and that's you know watching some of the local golfers perform five well. under. Suck on that, right? Yeah, yeah no, I love the like Open the, Championship. Uh, should kick your ass. I agreed, 100. percent That's the way it is. And like the conditions. I'm like, this is what we deal with out here. Like y'all want right. to be up. You know, there's frustration. I loved all the faces. great sand shots on the last day. A ton of them. It's like it takes that long for y'all to. To adapt. Get, let me tell you something. Or were we just so pissed we thought they were going to dump sand in it every day? This on Saturday, <laughs> on Saturday the the conditions were so bad. Like I wish that I would have gotten somebody who has been out there before did not do their fat friend Sam any justice. I feel like I needed some sort of warning. I had no idea that that place was that hilly. I was Southern We walked Hills. all the it. way in. We didn't take the bus. Oh, no. That's and we started the ascent from whatever that damn road is. We parked on 61st and that Right there road. by that tower. So we walk a half a mile, and then we started the ascent. And it is a long way from yeah. where you turn in till you get to number one tee box. Yeah, I There's took the There's a reason shuttle. why you can see the Tulsa skyline off in the distance. Yeah. It's took, a hike. I took that shuttle into that deal and still – like the next seven hours, me and my father-in-law just pulling ourselves up and down that course. It was oh, gorgeous. Yeah. It was it, great. Sure, but uh, it's tough. Yes, and unless I'm was going he getting to... around any better than you? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. And how and I'm, I'm in shape too. Like that's it wasn't a cardiovascular thing for me as much as my, I just got. I still weigh three hundred seventy pounds. 
So just moving it up and down, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it just was brutal. It's tough, yeah. yeah when, we, when we left and we had to walk up to number one to go out, that was I, I could see the light. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that the- was it. I thought that was it. <laughs> Because I lost all my muscle in my legs, and there was nothing left. They're just shaking. I get to the top, my legs are shaking, and they're like, sir, you got to move. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm yeah, not taking one step to the left. I won't stop till did I hit the bottom. Did you hear what the economic impact of that course What did they say, like $130 million or yeah, something like that? Yeah, over $100 million. Yeah, that's 20 bucks for a beer. <laughs> Good God, man. Yeah, it was I a spent lot. 35 bucks and ate like a five-year-old all day yeah no i got <laughs> because lucky. i wanted to buy some shit when i left and i knew that was gonna hurt even worse i did that too but i got a flag for 18 bucks and that was the ones they played on the championship round so that was a win everybody was buying the one for 30 bucks they were using all week and then when they played the big boy rounds they used the yellow one and oh, that was the cheap nice. one in the pro shop and nice. i was like score i got myself a hat in a uh in a golf bag towel those are the things that I went with for sure. I got lucky. I, got I wouldn't tickets. get a nice golf bag towel because I put those through some bad shit. Yeah. I, I couldn't. <laughs> oh yeah, you just I never wouldn't know. get a nice one. Yeah, you just never know. Yeah. I you know I was overwhelmed. I get by like it. a golf tech towel. This de- <laughs> and then get the good stuff for everything else. This deal was the the pro, this area this gift shop. Was basically the size of a woman. Did you make it out? It though? was a whole no, football I, I, I field with a tent. I made it out there. But I was speaking all that week, you know, oh, down yeah. to different groups. And I, I went down to the Marriott, and they all showed up there for breakfast one morning. Okay, you know, they had they, they were running them in and out of there. It was, yeah, it was really cool. But my, I think my son went down there. He played college golf at Southern Nazarene uh, for the first two years. And he said, Dad, he said, I'm pretty good, but he said, I'm not going to make the pros. And he said, I really don't want to live that life. You know, going across the pond or something and playing. Yeah. And some, yeah. You know, you know, and that's yeah, just what some you have Chinese to do. Chinese tour or something exactly. like that. Where's, where's Ricky about to sign? It's like Dubai or some stuff oh, like yeah. that. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But that'd a, be fun, though. There's so much <laughs> money. A it's a young man's game. There's no doubt. It is, yeah. And it's not necessarily, like, yeah. you have to, you know, you're focused why they're on. having kids on tour. You don't see guys showing up. With kids, then trying to do that, right? Like, absolutely, they yeah. got to be born into that. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Those guys are. I think the thing that kind of took me off guard more than anything was, it's none of them are physically imposing, right? right? Like John Rom is. That's a big dude. Uh, yeah, there's one more I thought that was pretty. I'll tell decent you what, size. man, Dustin Johnson. He's a big. He's guy. gained some weight. Yeah. Like when he first started, he was like a thunder draft pick from overseas, and now he's like a full grown. He's like a tight end now. He's there. like a tight end. There's no yeah. doubt. I was like, yeah. now it makes sense why he hits it so damn far. These guys. I mean, it's the technique, and it's just the mental fortitude to play. Do you play golf? I play. I just play a little with my son. Yeah, me yeah. too. I mean, did, I'm, I'm not. Did much you of a get golfer. to watch him over at the driving range at all? I didn't see any of that. Well, they would, they would, there was a huge like Megatron over there, like a drive in movie. And so we'd walk up to the fence and they would highlight two guys on each side of it. And you could see them up there taking practice swings. And then they would show their shot like a ball tracker on the screen and show like the ball speed, the carry, the roll, just like you're hitting at a monitor. Yeah. But you could sit there and watch them because you're watching them hit and you're like, what did he hit? And you're like, I don't know, but it flew 240, and you're like, shit, that's an iron. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was – It was. I, I don't know that I'll ever – unless it's Augusta, I don't know that I'll ever go back out to a PGA event. I didn't just love it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was pretty cool. And that in fact, cool. it was in Tulsa and all this stuff, and I'm glad that I went for sure. But you got to, like, love golf on a different level to want to be out there and well, just – Well, I mean, that's a tough place to fo- – I mean, oh, like, dude. when it was at Oak Tree, that was a lot easier to follow. Right. Like I mean, there's some like canyons Tiger, and Hills. stuff, but you don't have to hike up a mountain yeah. in the middle of the golf course. That, yeah, it was rough. it was it was rough for sure. But incredible, incredible time! And shout out to Tulsa, shout out to Southern Hills for they did for it doing up such big, a great man. job. They, they killed did, it. Yeah. They and did I it up mean, real big. I they was it. shocked. I was like, wow. Yeah, I was pretty blown away. But once again, you know, as an Oklahoman, that's us, right? That's our that's state. Right. That's our course, and it's it was a tough. SOB, and I'm here for it, man. I'd love the fact that those guys were tested at Southern Hills. People right. look at the TV and they're like, "Now I'm gonna I have still to get go buddies. play the up tees and throw up like a buck twenty there just to say I did." Right. No, look, I might <laughs> want to do that. I get buddies back from Ohio that asked me when I first moved out here. They're like, "You see teepees and they riding horses in the street?" And I'm like, "No, sir, that's not 
Right. They, they you know, do we, have dirt roads. That's a lot of dirt about roads. it. A lot of dirt roads. <laughs> they but, got running water and all the things. Yeah. You know, Bones. people think of Oklahoma often it's and it's forgettable and it's small yeah. town and when you, you call know, here it doesn't translate not, to dots on a piece of paper. Yeah, I got a lot of them say we're those guys are just a bunch of rednecks. Yeah. Let me tell you what, I'll take my rednecks and I'll go anywhere they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. They'll die for you. Oklahomans are some they of the will. best people you'll ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that uh, if I've learned anything, like our politics don't necessarily uh, have to line up for me to go out to any small town out west and meet somebody. I got good friends out in Boy City, Oklahoma. Right, they have never experienced any part of my life like I've experienced it. They don't, you know, our families look different, and our religious, our religious, you know, background is different. You know, the whole nine yards. But those people would open up their homes for me in a heartbeat. You know, like, and it's they're just good folks. You know, just good God fearing folks here in the state of Oklahoma. And I feel like they get misrepresented a lot. You know, the one thing I know about you is that you'll do your very best to represent Oklahomans. You know, in the way that they should be represented. So that's a good thing. That's for sure. Yeah, I lived. I lived coast to coast playing ball, and I honestly believe the world would be a better place if it had more Oklahomans in it. I, yes. Yep. True. True story. Facts. Yeah. True story. So we need more good people in the city. We do. Yeah. We do. Oklahomans. I think, yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, I think you get out there, and you know, every year the harvest would take place, and. Mom would have 15 chickens cooked up, you know, and they'd come and eat chicken. We'd have big lunch, big dinner. Nobody left our house hungry. And, and those are the days, you know, you look back and somebody comes over and it's like the fridge, the, the cupboard, anything you want, it's yours. You know, that's what you do. You just serve people. I'll tell you, and, and I stopped at a gas station on the way here and I smelled fried chicken and I almost didn't make it here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but... <laughs> I can smell it right now. Fried chicken? I think yeah. it's in my coat. Yeah. <laughs> and I love like it. A, nothing like a little gas station chicken. Are you yeah. hungry? I smelled fried chicken. It's in my skin, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I could probably eat a little bit of something, too. All right. We, we have to uh, – there's one thing I, I've got to ask you about. Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. So, you know, essentially, when you look at – the U.S. government, you look at Washington, D.C., and you look at career politicians and, you know, you start having the discussions about lobbyists and, you know, who's really making decisions for Americans because it doesn't feel like, I think a lot of Americans don't feel like it's Americans making those decisions. You get in the office, you're a senator now, you know, people are looking to you saying, hey, you know, if you do these things, we're going to take care of you in these ways like these lobbyists do, and God knows what those things are today. I think we would probably be alarmed to know, you know, what exactly has been given to our politicians for them to, to vote one way or another. I think we would be absolutely rattled by it. I think you're exactly When you right. consider, you know, just like what, what excess looks like today, I can only imagine what these guys are getting. What is your comments to them? What do you say to those people who are looking to essentially buy you, right? right. It's dark money. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't, you don't go up there and be part of the actual community there. Right, that's that's uh, almost Sin City up there, and I, I talked to a guy. He was a he's a Jewish rabbi out of New York, and I said I don't want to go up there and get defiled. I mean, all I have is my reputation, right? Right. And you work twenty one years, and, and but you do it all because it's the right thing to do. And he said, if you don't take the money, they can't defile you. Okay, and and it's so true. The minute you take, the minute you hedge your bets on anybody for reelection, they own you. And so you have to just stay pure and stay out of it and figure that it's going to be taken care of. If you have to, you know, raise your money, you know, $25 at a time, that's fine. And, uh, you know, so you have to stay away from it and you just because the lens gets cloudy when you're looking through it and somebody's got their strings hooked onto your left arm or your right arm and they're dragging you, you know, you're going to make a little break, right? If you're betting on a game and you're a referee – you know, and I'm not saying that happens, but I bet um, it has every, every once in a while. Right. That little nump on the arm is going to be a foul. Right. Where, where it's really just good ball. And so when you switch a little bit, you're vulnerable to being, you know, you can be taken out. And that's not really what Oklahomans want. They want somebody that's pure. Now, if you make it, if I make a decision they don't like, but I, I have the reason for it, this is a pure decision, they can tolerate that. You know, they, absolutely. I, but they can't tolerate making a decision on this or that, and then you, you, six months later you find out that you were on a yacht out in the Caribbean with the drug company. Or what, you know, does that make sense? And 
So um, you have to you have to deny it all. And if if there's anything that you want Oklahomans to know about you, and I want I feel like I need to say this. I've only met Dr. Groner one other time, and we had a great conversation. And I found a lot of I was I'm very interested in in the COVID conversation. I'm interested in you as uh, like I said that there there was this heroic feel to what you were doing up there making these house calls like i i have a lot of respect for you and i've only met you one other time uh i'm not going to tell this podcast is not me endorsing you in any way shape or form you know i'm I'm sitting here having a conversation and and interviewing you but i'm i would if i had sat down at that table and thought this guy was going to do damage to my audience i would have just told john i don't want to do this you know and i was pretty excited to talk to you again after this so i'm you know this is you have the platform you know if there's if there's anything you want Oklahomans to know about you, what would it be? Yeah. Well, I think I'll go up there. It'll be as honest as the day is long because that's how I was raised. I was raised in the same values they were. And, and rule and, and Oklahoma values are, as we've already talked, the most treasured values you can have. And it'll be a pure decision. It'll be a decision to move Oklahoma and this country forward. And there are going to be hard choices that may make us, you know, hurt a little bit right now. But – for the long haul, for the my kids, my grandkids, and the future of this country, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. And, you know, we can all agree or we can scream and holler at each other, and, you know, or do, we can just be disagree and say, hey, it's okay. But we don't have to be disagreeable like this current climate is, and we have to back that up. I think the next leader that comes into this country and that can bring people back together to have a conversation instead of a rock throwing contest or bullet you know right i think that is the leader and I, I don't know who that is but we have to have compassion on the other side of the aisle with these people right because they're just like us they're struggling you know and you know we all think we, we're righteous right we think we're self-righteous we're not you know we all have our faults and so uh, but it'll be a, it'll be a pure decision i will work super hard because i'm a workaholic my wife will tell you that but it's about making sure that you move this country forward and that we could, we have to maintain our leadership economically or we're going to be done for. And, you know, one of the ways is, you know, energy is huge. we got, we got to get back our energy independence here in this country. And, you know, we got big threats out there. Absolutely. I mean, we all want to talk about Russia. China scares the heck out of us. Yeah. You know? And they keep sending them over the hill. And you're going to see a conflict between them and Taiwan here before long, i got a feeling. And we're going to be fighting two battles if we're not careful. And so uh, we, have to, we have to economically, you know, and that, that's the cool thing about America. Every day you wake up and there's a new mousetrap on the market, right? Because some guy guys goes, that's cool, but I can do it better. Right. And that's what makes us, it's our brain, you know, and all this intellectual property that's been given to China. And those kind of things diminishes our ability to, you know, to make money. So, um, and and to drive this economy forward. So, I. Th- but I'll work uh, super hard. I will not take any other money. It's it would you know, I mean it just it, no way I could. And you know I, we just did a deal. With, I had some partners and we sold an urgent care, and they just turned it over. They said you handle it, and they never worried once. And there are always times in there right. you go, well I could. You know what I'm saying? I could get a this or that out of this deal because I'm doing all the work. You could complain about it, right? Right. You can't, right? You're there. They're your partner. And and you do the, you know, and most of the time all that stuff never adds up to much anyhow, except you can't sleep at night. Right. When you lay your head down, you want to be able to sleep at night. Doc, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I went to, uh, we'll keep up and catch up, you know, Uh here in a few weeks after you, after the the primary, we'll see, kind of see where you're at to maybe continue this conversation. I think it's such an interesting story. You're not a career politician. You know, you've served your community for 20-plus years. You're an Oklahoman. You're an Oklahoma State guy. Uh, I think that you are being led by your heart and your faith, which is, you know, rare today. Like, I can honestly sit here in front of you and think this guy doesn't have an agenda. Like, you are literally – I think you're the real article uh, in front of me. And, look, I could be wrong, but this is my gut telling me that – I, I believe every word coming out of your mouth, and I believe that's your story, and, and that's who you want to be even there in, in Washington, which is saying a lot about you. So. Well, hello. Whoa. 
That Bluetooth to my uh, <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 thankful for the time, and I I'm curious about your story, and we'll continue to follow you around. Wait, I appreciate the time. I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, were great, boys. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but it was great, and uh, I just I love this state, I love this country, and I love my kids, and I love the World War II veterans that I treat right now, and that's driving this deal do you got world war ii veterans that you're treating right now five of them in the practice seriously yeah how old are they 95 to 98 95 98 or the other day because my knees hurt and i said i don't know what to call that you know (laughs) 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 i love it oh that's awesome (laughs) they call you up they're like this doesn't feel good you're like you're 98 yeah Yeah. i I think it'd be me mileage but i'm not for sure you know how cool is that it's it's but it's heartbreaking this conversation's heartbreaking they go what have you like happened to our country? I've heard that for the last four or five years, you know, and the last two, it's been just intense. And so I want to do, I want to go to one's house. He's already said, can you come by and interview me and put it on YouTube or on Facebook? And I said, I'm going by, I'm going to go by and talk to him. I will go with you and have that conversation. Okay. We'll get put it on, we'll videotape it the whole nine yards. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a service that we need to do. That's one of our best generations, one of our greatest it From is. there, that it needs to be documented, 100%. And I actually, about two months ago, this before this ever came up, I went by, and I have a 95-year-old guy, and he was in China, and he got blasted with shrapnel. And I went by and set up my little iPhone, and, and I said, because I'd like the interview, I told him in the office, he goes, come by any time. And I went by there for a couple, 45 minutes, and just listened to how he thinks and, and what he thinks is going on now. That's Very awesome. interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Doc, Randy Grellner, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you you so much. Uh, Absolutely. It's a blast. Thanks, guys.